listening to the Retro Sermons Podcast. Find out more at NorthColumbusChristians.com slash Retro Sermons. We're certainly grateful once again for another fine audience. We appreciate so much your presence. I want to trust that you come with open and honest hearts to investigate with us God's divine truth. Jesus said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, and that's our concern in this service and every service. As we announce, we're talking tonight upon the very grave and always timely subject of the new birth. The new birth. And let me emphasize, first of all, this is indeed a very grave subject. As we can plainly see from verses 3, 5, and 7. The Lord tells us in verse 7 of John chapter 3, Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Thus, if one's going to be saved now and saved eternally, he must be born again. He tells us in verses 3 and 5, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now then, just what is the kingdom of God? And why so important that we enter the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? Well, first of all, notice now that many people have a misconception of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not some earthly, physical, material kingdom. Many people have that idea. That's not so. Nicodemus thought the new birth had something to do with the physical birth. Why, he said, how can a man be born again... When he's old, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? He had a misconception regarding the spiritual birth, didn't he? He thought it had something to do with the physical birth. Also the Jews, Lord, will at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel. They thought it had something to do with a material kingdom, not so. Over in Luke chapter 17, the Lord says, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. In John chapter 18, 36, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. Over in Acts chapter 17, 24, the Lord does not dwell in temples made with hands. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. Thus, my friends, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom, a saved relationship. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. Everything connected with the kingdom of God is spiritual in nature. Look at it now. We have a spiritual founder, a spiritual owner, spiritual foundation, spiritual law, spiritual birth, spiritual sacrifices, and spiritual destiny. Everything connected with the kingdom of God is spiritual in nature. It's not material. In Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44, 
In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. In Luke chapter 22, 29, 30, Jesus said, I appoint a new kingdom. As my Father hath appointed me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. It's the kingdom of God's dear Son, is it not? In Luke chapter 1, 33, of his kingdom there shall be no end. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul talked about these Colossians uh, being translated from the power of darkness uh, into the kingdom of God's uh, dear Son. Jesus Christ is the owner of it. Likewise, Jesus Christ is the foundation. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, All the foundations can no man lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 16, 18, and 19, Upon this rock, said Jesus, I will build my church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, Jesus is that rock. Spiritual foundation. Spiritual law. The word of God is the seed of the kingdom. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 21, Paul said, We're on the law to Christ. A spiritual law. A spiritual birth. That which is born of spirit is spirit, John 3, 6. Spiritual sacrifices, you're also as lively stones built up a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices. And the destiny of the kingdom is eternal, everlasting, spiritual in nature. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 1 and 2, we know if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, listen to it now, eternal in the heavens. Eternal in the heavens. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 4, When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Now as we think about the new birth and the kingdom of God and your son, why so important? Being in the kingdom of God's dear Son. Well, back to Colossians chapter 1, 13 and 14. Here is where we have redemption, uh, even the forgiveness uh, of our sins. If you want redemption uh, and forgiveness of sins, uh, you must be in the kingdom of God's dear Son. But you cannot get into the kingdom uh, unless you're born again, you see. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 23, 24, Paul tells us when Christ returns a second time, he's coming for the kingdom to deliver it to God the Father. If you want Jesus Christ to deliver you to God the Father, when he returns, you must be in the kingdom. But you can't get in the kingdom unless you're born again. Have you been born again, my friends? We're concerned with your soul if you haven't. Have you been born again? Let me drive home this truth. There are four classes of sinners who need to be born again. Are you in these classes? Let's see about it tonight. There are four classes who need to be born again. Now you check the list as I turn the charts. First of all... The good moral person like Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a good moral man, but he needed the new birth. 
In John chapter 3 and verse 36, He that obeyeth not the Son shall not see life. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9, Christ is the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey Him. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, bring into captivity every thought of the obedience of Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 22, seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, being born again by the Word of God that liveth and abideth forever. There are many good moral people in this world. And many people have the idea they're going to be saved by their good moral life. It's not so. The good moral person needs to be born again like Nicodemus. But then there's a second class who needs a new birth. And that is the sincere religious person like Cornelius. He was a man very sincere and devout. Yet he was lost. You turn with me now to Acts chapter 10, and we read about this man, Cornelius. Listen to it. A devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people, and he prayed to God always. What's wrong with a fellow like that? He needs the new birth. That's what's wrong with him. There are many people who are sincere, they're religious, but they're wrong. This man needs the new birth. Acts chapter 10, 1 and 2, and then 5 and 6, uh, he's going to be told words whereby thou and thy house shall be saved. He was a good man, sincere man, religious man, but he was wrong. He needed a new birth. He had to hear words whereby he can be saved. Thus in Matthew chapter 7, 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, in thy name cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works. But the Lord is going to say, Depart, I never knew you. Just being religious is not enough. In Proverbs chapter 14, 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but it leads to death. In Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 2, every way of man is right in his own eyes. But in Psalms chapter 37, 23, David said, the steps, look at this now, he said, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his ways. Now Cornelius was a good man. But his steps were not ordered by the Lord. He was lost. He needed the new birth. He needed the new birth. Matthew chapter 28, 18. Jesus said, All authority hath been given unto me in heaven on earth. You go teach all nations, and you baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Cornelius needed that. In Acts chapter 10, 48. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a third class. Look at this now. The honest, mistaken, zealous person. Like Saul of Tarsus. He was honest. He was sincere. He was zealous. But he's wrong. He needed the new birth. 
You recall in Acts chapter 23, 1, I have lived before God in all good conscience unto this day. He was a good man, zealous, religious, but wrong. Many people like that today, they need the new birth. Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sin. He needed the new birth, didn't he? Why, certainly so. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, Paul said, Jesus Christ came to this world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He was a man, religious, zealous, mistaken, thought he was right. He was a chief of sinners all the time. He needed the new birth. Also the fourth class here, the sinful, rebellious persons, like the Jews on Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, you have taken and by wicked hands you have crucified and slain the Son of God. They were guilty of the blood of the Son of God. They need the new birth. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter told them to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name, by the authority of Jesus Christ, for remission of sins. They needed the new birth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul makes a list of the things that will keep one out of heaven. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, and be not deceived. He makes a list. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abuse themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom. Verse 11 says, Such were some of you, but you have been washed, justified, and sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus you belong into these classes? If so, you need the new birth. Hence, that brings us to the question, that is, uh, how is one born again? How? In Romans chapter 11, verse 4, what saith the answer of God? Matthew chapter 17, 5, God says, uh, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. God said, Hear my Son. Colossians chapter 3, 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name or by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord has the answer, how to be born again. And so we turn to John chapter 3 and verse 5, and here is the answer of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has all authority in heaven and on earth. Here it is. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. There it is. You must be born of water and the Spirit in the kingdom. Now there are many, many misconceptions as to how one is born of water and the Spirit. Many misconceptions. Let's notice some of these. Well, first of all, there are those who tell us uh, it has to do with the physical birth. Like Nicodemus, physical birth, not so, not so, except a man be born again. Except a man be born of water and spirit. Has nothing to do with the physical birth. Well, somebody tells us, here's what it means, uh, they say water means water baptism and spirit means Holy Spirit baptism. Well, that's not so. 
Why, Jesus says you must be born again, not again and again. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 5, Paul tells us there is one baptism. There are six baptisms in the Word of God, only one in force now. And so if you have Holy Spirit baptism and water baptism, that's two, isn't it? That won't work. That won't work. Well, let's see which one that is. Matthew chapter 28, the Lord says, You go teach them and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name by the authority of Christ for remission of sins. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name by the authority of Christ. What baptism is that? Well, Acts chapter 10, 47, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit as well as we? Then verse 48 again, He commanded them to be baptized in the name of by the authority of Christ. The baptism authorized by Jesus is water, isn't it? In Acts chapter 8 and verse 35, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ. Verse 5, as the eunuch was riding along, Philip joined him and began the same scripture, Isaiah 53, and preached to him Jesus. And as they came on their way, they came on to a certain water. Now, had he known anything about water, and why did he say, here is water, what doth hinder me from being baptized by hearing Jesus preached? Well, you can go to some of these so-called revivals, and you can attend these revivals, for ten nights, and you'll never hear anything about water baptism. They say we're going to preach the Lord Jesus Christ, but they don't mention baptism. Now, Philip preached Jesus. When you preach Jesus, you preach what he says, and he says he that believeth and is baptized, and he say, that's what Philip preached. Thus they came to certain water. Here is water, what doth hinder me from being baptized? If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they stopped the chariot, and they both went down into the water, and he immersed him, and they came from the water. Now that's the one baptism of Ephesians 4, is water baptism. And so this is a misconception. Water, water baptism, Spirit, Holy Spirit, but not so, not so. Now, here's another misconception. Why they say, born of water and the Spirit, you don't know, you can't understand. It's a deep mystery. It's something better felt than told. Used to have a song. goes like this. I can take you to the place. I can tell you another time. How the Lord saved me by His glory divine. But I cannot tell you how, and I can't tell you why. I'll tell you more about it in the by and by. That's an unscriptural song. Based upon this idea, you don't know, you can't understand, it's a deep mystery, because John 3.8 says so. You know what John 3.8 says? I'm going to show it to you. Let's look at it now. Here's what John 3.8 says. It says, The wind bloweth where it listeth or willeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canest not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth, 
so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Oh, it's a deep mystery. You can't understand it. It's like the blowing of the wind. You can't understand the wind. The wind blows where it willeth. You hear it. Hear the sound of it. But you can't tell whether it comes, whether it goes. So that's the way the new birth is. It's a deep mystery. One thing I know, I know John 3, 8 is not teaching uh, that you can't know, that you can't understand, that the new birth is a mystery. I know it's not teaching that. If I'm never able to explain it, but I can explain it, I believe, and I shall tonight. I know it's not teaching that. Because in John chapter 8 and verse 32, Jesus said, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And John 3, 5 is the truth. You can know about the truth, the new birth. In First Timothy chapter 2, 3, and 4, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who to have all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For the Lord says you can come to a knowledge of the truth. John 3, 5 is the truth. You can know it. I know it's not, but you can't understand it. Because in Ephesians chapter 5, 17, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And the will of the Lord is, you must be born of water and the Spirit. You can understand that. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 4, Paul said, when you read, listen to it now, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. When you read John 3, 5, you can understand it. That's what he said. That's the truth. It's not a deep mystery. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 3, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. They're not hard to understand. They're not hard to obey. You can understand John 3, 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3, Paul talks about the simplicity that's in Christ. John 3, 5 is in the Word of God. It's plain, it's simple too. But you say, what is this teaching here? What does that mean? I wonder how many of my brethren could explain that tonight. You know, Peter said to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that I ask of you. Could you give an answer to John 3? What does he mean? Man? How is the new birth like the blowing of the wind? What does that mean? Well, let's look at it carefully now. Here's what it says. Here's the wind, it blows where it listeth or willeth. You can't see it and you can't tell where it comes from, can't. When it goes, you can't do it. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Well, somebody said that looks like a mystery to me. You can't explain the new birth. It's a deep, oh, it's not hard. It's simple. Let's see what he means now. You ready for it? I believe you're ready for it, don't you? Let's see about it. All right. The part of man born of the Spirit, born anew, born again, changed, is the unseen part, the inner man, the spirit of man, the heart of man, the soul of man. You don't see the wind, you don't see the part of man that's born again either. Anything hard about that? Man is a twofold being. He has flesh, he has spirit. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16, Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. Here's the flesh, here's the spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11, What knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man that is in him. In Daniel chapter 7, 15, Daniel said, I was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body. Matthew chapter 10, 28, Fear not them that kill the body that cannot kill the soul or the spirit. And so we have flesh and we have spirit. And that part of man that is born again, born anew, is that part you don't see like the wind. It's the inner man, the heart of man. The soul of man. In Second Corinthians chapter five, seventeen, if any man be in Christ, now listen to it. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, all things made new. There's a change wrought within. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 22, seeing that you have purified, listen to this now, seeing that you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. This is the part that's changed. This is the part that's changed. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21, baptism is not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. You're not baptized to cleanse your flesh, take a bath. Baptism will not do that. It's not the putting away of the fear for the flesh. It's the answer of a good conscience, heart, soul before God. Oh, there's a change. Before you get into the water, your soul, if you please, uh, is black with sin. And when you are buried in the water, and raised from the water, having reached the cleansing blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, your soul is purified. It's changed. You're a new creature. While the flesh is not changed, while the only difference in your flesh, you go into the water dry, dry clothes and dry body, and you come up wet, wet clothes and wet body. That's the only change. But there's been a great change made. That's that part of you and part of me that we don't see. The heart of man, the soul of man is purified. Now one of these days there's going to be a change in the body. In the body. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, As we have borne the image of the earthy, we're going to bear the image of the heavenly. This whole body is going to be changed. We're going to have a spiritual glorified body in the image and the likeness of the spiritual glorified body of Christ. That doesn't come in the new birth. That doesn't come in the new birth. We still have the same body. It looks the same. One of these days we're going to have a different body. Philippians chapter 3 tells us that, that our body is going to be changed like the glorious body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who shall change our vile bodies, uh, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. I'm looking forward to that, aren't you? We'll be changing that body. But now you know I could have saved all that. Well, why did you preach it then? Because verse 6 explains verse 8 before you get to it. You know that? 
The Bible is the best commentary on the Bible there is. I'm not opposed to commentaries written by men. I have many in my library. And I recognize they've been written by men. And the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. John 3, 6 explains verse 8 before you get to verse 8. Look at it now. That which is born of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, is Spirit in a man. Why don't you read that first? Well, I want to save the icing to put on last. This puts a cap on it, doesn't it? This verifies and affirms and proves everything I've said thus far about the wind and the new birth. Jesus says, that which is born of spirit, and in your New Testament, spirit is capitalized, referring to the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. That which is born of the Holy Spirit is spirit, a little letter there, referring to the inner man, the heart of man, the soul of man. It's not a deep mystery. I can take you to the place, I can tell you now the time. How the Lord saved me by His glory divine. I won't have to wait till the by and by. I can tell you all about it now. And everybody here who has been born again can say the same thing. It's not a deep mystery. No way. Look at it again. That which is born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is Spirit or in a man. That part of man you don't see like you don't see the wind. Isn't it plain? Isn't it simple? Well, let's notice now. Here's the truth. Born again. Water means water. H2O, water. Water means water. Doesn't mean buttermilk. It means water. And the Spirit means the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Godhead. There is one birth, but there are two elements or agencies just as in the physical birth, uh, we have the begetting uh, and the delivery. Likewise, in the spiritual birth, uh, we have the begetting uh, and the delivery. Now, First Corinthians twelve thirteen, uh, Galatians three twenty six twenty seven are parallel passages to John three five. Let's notice it now. In John chapter three and verse five, Jesus said. Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. All right? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, by one Spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Galatians chapter 3, 26, 27, we're all the children of God by faith or the faith of Christ. As we have been baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. All parallel mean the same thing. No difference in these verses. Look at it now. Here's the Holy Spirit. Here's the Holy Spirit. Here's the, the faith is given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Here's water. Here's baptism. Here's baptism. Water baptism, water baptism, water baptism puts you into the kingdom of God, into his body. You become a child of God. No difference. Again, the Bible is the best commentary on the Bible. It explains itself, doesn't it? All right. Now let's notice how we are begotten of the Spirit. 
How begotten by the Spirit? And the answer is, through the Word of God. That's how. You are begotten by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, uh, this is called the sword of the Spirit. This is the instrument of the Holy Spirit. The Word of God is the instrument of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 6 and verse 63, Jesus said, The words I speak unto you, they are spirit and their lives. In Ephesians chapter 3, 3 through 6, Paul says this. He says, How by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have written afore in few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. In all the ages not made known the sons of men, as it's now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. For the Lord told his apostles, You tarry in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Ye shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Acts chapter 1. Thus in Acts chapter 2, the apostles there on the day of Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit came as a rushing mighty wind and filled all the house where they were sitting. They all began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And thus as the Holy Spirit inspired these men, they have written the Word of God. These are the words of the Holy Spirit. Thus in James chapter 1, 18, of his own will beget he us with the gospel. We are begotten by the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 15, I have begotten you, said Paul, through the gospel. You're begotten by the gospel. 1 Peter chapter 1, 23, being born again by the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. I thought we were begotten of the Holy Spirit. We are. By the word of God given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 8 and verse 11, the word of God is the seed of the kingdom. Now get the picture. In Mark chapter 16, 15 and 16, Jesus said, go into all the world and you preach the gospel to every creature. You put the seed of the kingdom in their hearts. Here's the teachings of the Holy Spirit. Put it in their hearts. Acts chapter 8. He began the same scripture and he preached Jesus. He put the seed in his heart. When the seed is placed in your heart, if you're honest and sincere, you'll be like the eunuch. Why, here's water. What hindered me from being baptized when the seed's put there? Get the seed in their hearts. Thus Galatians chapter 3, 26, 27, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, John 3, 5 again. When the seed is there, here's the seed, here's the operation of the Holy Spirit, and it leads to the water. And there you are, buried in water, raised from water, Second Corinthians 5, 17. That puts you in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I marvel at the simplicity of the truth, don't you? Nothing hard about the new birth is plain and simple. And I thank God for it. There's not a boy or a girl present tonight who is responsible that can't understand that. Now then, let's look at a demonstration of the new birth. 
if what I taught is the truth, I believe it is, then the proof of it is in the demonstration. Isn't that right? The book of Acts is a carrying out of the great commission given to the apostles. The Lord says, you go teach, you go preach, you go teach all nations. That repentance and remission of sin, preached in my name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And the book of Acts is the carrying out of that commission. And let's see if we have the truth over here on these other charts from this. This is the proof of it. In every single case of conversion on record in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, in every single case of preaching is always specified. I don't have the time to go into that tonight. I've got the proof on the chart. It'd take a long time to give all those scriptures. But here's the proof in every single case. Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 8, Acts 9, Acts 10, 16, 16, 18. In every case they had the preaching. It's specified about the preaching. In every case of conversion on record, it is specified they were baptized. That's no accident. Ever thought about that? Those on Pentecost were baptized. Acts chapter 8 and verse 12, when they had believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Acts chapter 8, the eunuch was baptized. Acts chapter 9, Saul arose and was baptized, verse 18. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius was baptized, verse 48. 16, 14, Lydia and her household baptized. The jailer baptized the same hour of the night. Acts chapter 18, many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and they were baptized. Every single time is specified they were baptized. As we have preached throughout this meeting, if we're going to be saved, we must hear the preaching, we must believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. And we can prove that by book, chapter, and verse. But noteworthy, in every case, it's specified they had preaching and they were baptized. Thus, here's the Spirit and there's the water. Isn't that fine? I claim it. So what I've taught you on these other charts is the truth, isn't it? Here's the demonstration of it. Back in the days of the apostles, they claimed to heal the sick drink deadly poison, raise the dead, and they proved it. That your faith may stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And they demonstrated it. Here's the demonstration of the new birth. There it is. That's right, it can't be wrong. All right, have you been born again? Jesus says you must. Except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God where we have redemption, forgiveness, delivered to the Father. Born of water, baptism of the teaching of the Holy Spirit. Now in the physical birth, we are partakers of human nature, you know that. In the physical birth, we bear the image many times of our parents. You've heard somebody say, I'll tell you right now, old Johnny, 
is the spitting image of his father. When you see Johnny, you see his father. He looks just like him. And that's true many times. Now, in the spiritual birth, we are partakers of divine nature. You know that? We are partakers of divine nature. Listen now to the Word of God in Second Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Hear it now, that ye might be partakers of divine nature. Just as over here you are partakers of human nature in the physical birth, in the spiritual birth you are partakers of divine nature. While we're baptized into covenant relationship with the entire Godhead or deity. And Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10, In Him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you're complete in Christ. We bear the image of Christ. We bear the image of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, listen to it. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. And so we bear the image of our parents. We bear the image of Christ in our lives when we're born again. Thus in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3 Paul says you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. There it is. Your life is hid with Christ and God. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, yet I live, yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Your life bears the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 Paul says this, he says, for me to live, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. The very essence of my life is Christ. I bear the marks of Christ in my life when you're born again. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, they took knowledge of the apostles even though they were ignorant, unlearned men, they marveled they have been with Jesus. Now, when you are born again, neighbor, folks can see a change. You know that? Here's a fellow before he was born again, so to speak, question mark. He was a drunkard, a liar, a fornicator, living in adultery. He said, I've been born again. He's still a drunkard, a liar, fornicator, and he's still living in adultery. He hasn't been born again. You can mark that down. When you're born again, in your life, you bear the image of Christ. Were you born again? Did you have a change in your life? There it is. That's the new birth, my friends. We have some here tonight who have never been born again. You need to come tonight. Now the truth has been preached. The seed has been sown. The preaching of the gospel you have heard tonight. And you have listened patiently and we appreciate it. The seed is there. Will it germinate? Or will Satan come and take it out? It must germinate. It will lead you to the water if it will. When it germinates, you will say like the unit, Brother Murray, here's the water. Let's get on with it. 
What hinders me? I want to water. When people go to preaching and they hear preaching, and after they have heard the preaching, and they're not eager to get to the water to be saved, they haven't heard Jesus have it. When you hear Jesus, you want the water, and water now. Want it now, immediately. I used to ask folks when they'd come down the aisle, when do you want to be baptized? I learned better than that a long time ago. I don't ask that question anymore. When they come down the aisle, and they say, I believe Jesus Christ, Son of God, we'd go to the water immediately. That's what they want. They know they need it immediately. It's urgent. Let's get to the water now. That's where the eunuch was. What hinders you tonight? Why do you wait, my friends? The seed has been sown. You need to come to the water upon a faith in Christ, a change of heart brought about by godless sorrow that leads to a change of life called repentance. Acknowledge with a mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and your proper subject to go to the water and there be buried, born of water and the Spirit. I'll not come tonight as we stand together and as we say. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing of Are you washing the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His graces? Are you washing the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood?